Welcome to Sound Off. The Sound Off host is Brad Bennett, who has served this country as a Marine Corps sergeant during the Vietnam War and has served this community as a three-term member of the Duluth School Board. Now, Sound Off and let your voice be heard. Here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Well, good Tuesday morning, everybody. Good Tuesday morning to the Northland. Uh, Kenny, we got any significant weather uh, malfunctions up there going today? Significant weather malfunctions? No, everything yeah, is... like like a lot of snow or rain, freezing, anything like that? Or no, we've got sunshine normal? right now, Brad. Oh, good. And it's 29 degrees. Well, then I don't think we can complain about that at yeah. all. That is... That is actually very nice. And that is actually normal for this time of the year, 29. Yeah, it is. Well, I think today's normal high is 30. Yesterday's high temp was 30. The low yesterday was 20, our normal low this time of the year, 11. And, Brad, uh, we had three-tenths of an inch of snow yesterday. We had 19-100s precip. 93.3 inches snowfall so far to date. But there's a lot of winter going to go. Going to go over 100 probably uh, about the first uh, end of the first yeah, week of March, it. I would think. Let's reach yeah. 100 and then stop. Yeah, and then then end it. <laughs> yeah, yesterday, a Green Bay, Wisconsin, you know where that is, home of the Packers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they had they set a daily record precipitation uh, count yesterday. 0.87 inches yesterday in Green Bay. That was a daily That's record nothing. for precip. Well, that was partly uh, snow, 4.4 inches. Green Bay's at 48 inches on the snowfall so far this year. So they're less than half of what we are. Oh, yeah, they are. Yep. <laughs> oh. Well, I'll tell you what, a couple of things uh, that piqued my interest this morning as I'm perusing through the Internet looking for stories and looking for things to talk about. Uh, The one was the one we talked about yesterday. I read up a lot yesterday on this Supreme Court uh, hearing of uh, Biden's student loan debt relief plan. Uh, If I was a betting man, and I'm not, uh, but if I was a betting man, I would say that the Supreme Court is going to turn this down. A turn down Biden's plan. And the reason I say that is because I think it goes just too far across the line from separation of powers uh, in the in the federal government between presidential powers, congressional powers, uh, powers of the purse. Uh, I think Biden jumped right across that aisle, right over that line and said, you know what? I'm the guy with the power. I'm going to tell people that they can be forgiven on their loans. Uh, And I'm going to make those decisions. And I think the Supreme Court is going to say, you know what? That would set a very, very poor precedent. That would mean that any any president from now on that decided he or she wanted to do anything um, to spend our tax, our hard-earned tax money, could just come up with a veiled reason for it and go ahead and approve it. And I don't think they're going to want to do that. Because I think <clears throat> over our lifetime, ever since uh, ever since the Constitution was signed, I think we have had a very direct separation. Uh, if you want to approve uh, financial type things, things that the, the, the taxpayers' dollars will get spent on, and this is actually spending, uh, believe me, even though it says, uh, you, you know, we're going to forgive students their loan, 
This is money that the federal government, state government was thinking it was going to have coming in. They'd loaned the money out. They gave out taxpayers' money thinking they were going to get it back. And Biden basically is saying, uh, no, I'm going to use the pandemic as a, as, a, as a rational reason that it's just too difficult. And you know what? <clears throat> I got kids in my own family that are trying to get uh, loans forgiven on student debt, and I'm sure they're not going to be happy with me uh, probably making Dad, that statement. But what's wrong with you? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm going to hear. Yeah. Are you insane? Yeah. I could get $20,000 written off. I want mortgage relief. You, me too. And I mean, and seriously. you know, and I got it's crushing I, I gotta, me, Brad. I've got to pay it every oh, month for thirty yes. years. Give me a break. Oh, <clears throat> well, and I got a car loan that's eating me up too. I could I could get rid of that. You yeah. know, if we could. Why are we paying for groceries? Should we just go in the grocery store and get groceries and oh, go home yeah. and? Yes. Yeah. Just think of how much more the economy would be boosted. If we could do that. Yeah. Free for food example, for everyone. I'm, Why should we yeah. pay to... This is survival, Brad. Farmers could just grow and grow and grow and just keep delivering it to the stores, <laughs> and we'd just keep getting it free and oh. taking it home. And oh, we'd all be fat and obese, and uh, but happy, 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 happy. And, and then with the car loan deal, think about how many more cars would be bought if we forgave all car loans... Tomorrow, you know, those those families out there that are thinking, yeah, I really, I, boy, I'd like to have a second car, but it really isn't economically good for me to do. I'd have to take on a second payment, second insurance. No, get rid of it. Just get it for free. Car business would go right through the roof. It'd be a great thing. That's But seriously, folks. Uh, not to make any more light of it than it is, I think the Supreme Court is going to come down on this and just say that, uh, you know, the, the, this is uh, this is a uh, a decision that a president made uh, that he didn't really have the authority to make, and it has to go through uh, it has to go through the Congress, and it wasn't it was not approved by Congress, and we just can't can't uh, let a president have this kind of authority because. Then if we're going to do that, we may as well just forget about debt forever because the debt will go right through the roof and we'll just forget about it. Well, anyway, I got an interesting got an interesting story that I want to get to uh, as we come back from uh, talking to our friend Chad. Um, Chad, what are you doing giving away free range time? Are you insane? You're a businessman. You can't give away free range time. Yes, Brad, we gave away a lot of free range time down at the show last week, and we've given a lot out at all these shows because we care about the Northland and we want people to come use the range. You know, at Dead on Arms, yeah. we have a lot of things going on there. You know, the permit-to-carry classes are filling up. And, you know, right back to the biggest question we get in that class is, you know, not only where can I carry a gun, but can I protect myself in my house? And the answer is yes. And we go in-depth yes. into that in the class because a lot of people want to know that. You know, in today's society, which is everly changing fast, um, people want to know, can they do that? You know, another big thing I want to talk about, a lot of people have called the range, have called me, is this brace, this uh, pistol brace ban. You know, with that being said, you know, as I, you know, talked to our representative and made some things clear that the ATF doesn't get to unilaterally make laws. So 
So this has to go through That's a process. Very true. You, you know, you just can't, with the stroke of a pen, make a law one day without doing the proper steps, which is going through Congress and having it done that way. Now, I'm not telling people to break the law, but it's not a law yet. They're given 120 days. So there's a lot of court litigation that's going to happen within this amount of time over the pistol brace. Well, I'll tell you, you're absolutely right on the money. You know, these government bureaucracies just think they have so much power that they can just go and willy-nilly make up their own rules and regulations and take uh, actual constitutional privileges away from the general public. They do, you know, and Brad, we, we sell firearms and we train people. We do all that stuff, and it is part of our business. And people call, and they want to know, you know, is this real? You know, well, what's the deal behind this? And we tell them, well, you know, they can write any piece, any any letter they want, and that's what they did. It still has to go through Congress and get approved, and it hasn't done that yeah. yet. Congress makes laws. The ATF doesn't make laws. You can't unilaterally just decide one day we're going to find something illegal after they made, said it was legal several years ago. Well, that's uh, that, that's the way I interpret the Constitution, too. You're absolutely right. They just can't uh, can't do that. Well, folks, if you want to if you want to learn about your rights, if you want to learn how to use a firearm effectively, you know, there's a lot of people out there, lots of people. And Chad would verify this. There's a lot of people that are thinking, you know, I really the way crime is today, the way uh, people just think they can take other people's property willy nilly. I want to be able to protect my family, my property, my rights but I got to know how to do it legally and I got to know how to do it right. And then once I find out how to do it legally, then I want to make sure that I become effective and proficient at what I'm doing. And, you know, you'd make a lot better decisions in life if you are skilled as a marksman. Uh, The decisions you make with a firearm become much more proficient, much more professional. So here's what I want you to do today. If you have not been up to dead on arms yet, Please get in your vehicle and go up Highway 2 about eight miles out of Proctor. Uh, you'll find Dead on Arms on the left-hand side of the road there. Stop in. They love you coming in. The first thing you'll walk into is a retail store uh, where you can buy everything to do with the shooting industry. You can buy firearms. You can buy clothing. You can buy reloading equipment. You can buy sighting equipment. You can, if there's anything to do with the uh, firearm industry, you can you can acquire it there. Then, if you want to take classes, whether it be pistol safety classes or the concealed carry classes, they do them right there in a beautiful, well, uh, well-lit educational facility right on the right-hand side of their building. Then, when you're done with that, you go right across the hall and you go into the indoor shooting range, which is always very nice, temperature-controlled lighted beautifully with uh, automatic returns of targets that you can bring them right back to you. It's just a fantastic facility, everything right there at your beck and call. So get up to Dead on Arms, take a look around. Uh, You don't have to buy a firearm. uh, Let's let's say you want to become proficient with a a pistol. You don't have to buy one without knowing how it's going to feel when you fire it, how it's going to feel in your hand. You can rent them. They've got like 150 different models that you can go to until you find the right one that's just perfect for you. Dead on shooting range. Uh, Look them up on Facebook. 
Uh, they have their own website, Dead on Shooting Range, all one word, deadonshootingrange.com, or simply give them a call, 218-729-9689. Chad and his whole staff is there to make sure that you get the right training and the proper uh, lessons learned on uh, your firearm skills. So give them a call. Anyway, Kenny, we got to take our first break here of the morning on Tuesday. Let's do that, and then we'll come back with much more. KDAL. KDAL time is 11.26 and 2.1, There it is, 11.26. And, Brad, we do have a lot of sunshine in the Twin Ports. Didn't have that yesterday, so it's nice to see the sun. And it's relatively mild. Currently 28 at the Sky Harbor Airport. Southwest wind at 12. So there's a little bite in the air, 18 on the wind chill. But the temperature-wise is almost normal, isn't it? I mean, it's pretty close to normal. It is. It is. And I know people are screaming at the radio, nothing's normal about the weather. <laughs> well, it's what normally can be we, expected. And when you look at the data, it's it's pretty close to what normally occurs, well, in this case, February 28th. Yeah. But it's the last day of winter. Tomorrow's March 1st. It ushers in the first month of spring. Tomorrow. You're Brad? insane. You need, oh. you need to lay down and take a nap someplace. <laughs> It is, it's not going to change overnight, Kenny. We're not going to see green okay. grass popping up through the through the piles, right. piles and piles of snow. If you say so. Oh, anyway, folks, a couple of things here. Uh, well, first of all, let me just mention a couple of things about a couple ads. First of all, the ads we just had for the smoke shops. Great cigar selection. I'm not kidding you, folks. I could be a spokesperson for this for the smoke shops. Uh, the four of them in the in the area. That's where I buy my cigars when I'm in town. They've got a beautiful walk-in humidor, the one in Denfeld, that's uh, half as big as the store itself. And uh, great selections. And then what was I going to say about the other one? Uh, I, oh, Fast Pitch. Kenny. Yeah. Do you remember the days back in the well, 70s, 80s when Fast Pitch was really Fast Pitch? Yes, I mean, I it do. was special. One, yeah. of the, one of the big names in the Fast Pitch leagues here in Duluth was... Brett Hull. Yes. He played fast pitch. Yes, he did. But, I mean, there were so many. My my wife's dad, uh, this goes way back, of course, my wife's dad was a pitcher. He's a big, tall, he was a big, tall guy. He's passed away, but but he was he could really bring the heat. And I remember going to some of them early games when you had uh, Royal 58 playing uh, uh, Curly's or, or any one of those big, big Amber Flow Amber Flow had a team that was uh, just incredible. They would get up at up at Wheeler there at that top top field in, at Wheeler, the fast pitch field. They would have people standing eight ten deep, standing room nice. only for these games. They were enormous. Did you ever see Eddie the King Fainer? Yes, the King in yes, his court. Did. Yes. Now Eddie was one of these guys. His his court amounted to what was it, Kenny? Was it four players? He had yeah. a he had a Something mid like infielder. Yeah, yeah. He had a mid infielder. He had a catcher, uh, and he had an outfielder. Mid, you know, and the outfielder would range from left to the center to because nobody could hit Eddie. I mean, he. Just, 
he would bring the heat. He was a Marine, Brad. I know that. I yeah. know that. Yeah. He was, uh, now he's since passed away too, but he was, for a period of time, 10, 12 years, he was literally almost unhittable. Yeah, 81. Fact, that used to be the thing. He that was, used to be the thing. Get see who could hit him. I, I'd step in that batter's box. Make <laughs> yeah. me look silly. I don't care. 81 years old is when he passed away back in 2007. Uh, he played over 10,000 softball games in oh 100 countries and achieved a reputation and fame similar to that of the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, I saw him. I, th- I think I saw him twice, if I remember right. And it was up at those fields at Wheeler, and he would take on a makeshift team of, of volunteers and play them I th- tough. Boy. I thought he had played at Wade Stadium, but um, I don't recall. Yeah, that could be. It might have been Wade. One of his... Uh, one of his yeah, uh, come to think of it, it was. Yeah, one of his big uh, claims to fame was his record of 238 perfect games. Oh, my God. <laughs> Didn't he used to strike guys out? He'd stand at second base and strike guys out yeah, from second he'd base. Yeah, from anywhere. Yeah, beyond the mound. He was always out beyond the mound throwing and... As long as you're further than you need to be, they don't care. It's not uh, not illegal. But, uh, yeah, they roamed roamed all over. Well, let me tell you, I want to get start off. Uh, we gotta, we got to take our CBS News break, and then I want to come back because more and more information is coming out now uh, about the— uh, well, let's put it this way. It turns out that the lab leak deniers— you know, all of those that said, oh, it didn't come from a lab. It was the COVID did not come from a lab. Turns out they're actually the ones that were wearing the tinfoil hats. You know, that wanted everybody else to believe that that we were all the ones with tinfoil hats. Why do you, think they, why well, do you think they felt that way? Why were they I, in support of something other than that? What was, were well, they, they protective wanted, of China? Was, no, I don't think necessarily that was the reason. I think there was part of them. Uh, that just wanted to believe the government. They wanted to believe Fauci. They wanted to believe big tech. Uh, there were a lot of uh, liberals out there that had theories of COVID panic, you know, that kind of thing. Um, they wanted to believe the Department of Energy. Now the Department of Energy has basically come out and said, mm, <laughs> I guess we were wrong. Um, but it it's interesting because they're still saying that even though they believe now that it came from uh, uh, the Wuhan lab, virological lab, they they have low confidence in this theory. And the reason they have low confidence is because China will never and has never allowed an independent on-the-scene investigation of the Wuhan virological lab. And as long as they'll never let in anybody investigate it, you'll never be able to prove without a, without a doubt that that's where it came from. So the, their theory is that if you if you didn't come in and, and check out the lab, then you can't say that it came from here. Yeah, you can, but it has to be a low confidence because we can't say unequivocally that it came from there. So anyway, we'll talk a little bit more about this because this is a most of this stuff is out of a story that I got out of the New York Post this morning that that really spells out how all this stuff came down. Uh, after a period of time when people finally started thinking about things a little bit. Anyway, we got to go to CBS News and then we'll come back. 
KDAL time is 1137, 28 at, 28 at Sky Harbor Airport, 25 in Hibbing where there's fair skies, northwest wind at 9, Hayward, Wisconsin, fair skies, 27, southwest wind at 7 miles an hour, and here in the Twin Ports, like we just heard, we're going to get some uh, some more snow, 1 to 3 inches. Now to our south, they could see a little bit more, maybe up to 5 inches in some areas running basically from uh, south of Brainerd over to Park Falls, Wisconsin. And there is a winter weather advisory that has already been posted for, uh, not for St. Louis County or Carleton County, but in uh, Pine County and over towards Cass and Crow Wing into Wisconsin, Douglas, Bayfield, and the Sawyer Lake, uh, Sawyer County, rather. So they do have a winter weather advisory. Kind of that strip across the middle of the state and into Wisconsin, that that area. Yeah, and again, it's going to be snow anywhere from uh, roughly 2 to 5 inches in that area. Here in the Twin Ports, 1 to 3 and it seems like they're always on the low end, so let's go with 1.1. Well, Kenny, tonight uh, I'm going to be watching uh, wild hockey. I'm going to be uh, watching the hockey game again. And uh, it's interesting. Tonight we play the New York Islanders. And the Islanders have a pretty pretty competitive team. Uh, they can be handled, and hopefully we'll do that tonight. But they've got a lot of local local faces on that team. We will see, uh, what, Zach Parisi? The guy who we're still paying his contract off, he uh, eats up a lot of our uh, council or a lot of our uh, uh, win- the um, uh, a lot of our budget with the wild. Um, but we're looking for faces. We're looking for people that we might get. I'd love to see. Uh, I'd love to see the wild uh, bring in that uh, guy from War Road, that Brock Nelson. But that ain't going to happen. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> Has his name been mentioned? Um, no, just in one story that I really? saw, but, and, and then I saw the, I saw this morning that he is, uh, he's their le- team leading, uh, point guy with 60 points. Yeah. I, that ain't going to happen. He also leads the Islanders with 27 goals. Yeah. So, you know, you got that, you got Anders Lee, uh, who's also on the team. He's from Edina. So you got some Minnesota connections and, uh, you know. You never know what's going to happen. In the meantime, the general manager of the Wild has played it real coy. Aguirre is saying, uh, you know, if we can't find anybody, if we can't, uh, if we can't come up with a, a suitable contract with a suitable expenditure of money, uh, then we're fine the way we are. Then we'll go the way we are. But he says they've got enough, uh, enough captive room. They've got enough cap room uh, that they could. Uh, take somebody on. They've got wiggle room. Equates to approximately eleven million dollars in sale in salary cap space. Uh, and the trade deadline, of course, is Friday. So uh, we'll see what happens. What happened to your uh, Denfeld boys last night? Oh my God! What? What was that? Did they just fall asleep, or did they put their peewee line out there in the oh, second third period? Yeah, they lost twelve to one to Rockridge. I didn't realize Rockridge was even that good a team, or was it just that Denfeld? Well, they're that Gilbert. Well, Rockridge is a good hockey team. I mean, that was uh, Gilbert, uh, the the boys from Gilbert that uh, you know formed that new. Nonetheless, uh, boy, you go down twelve to one. Jeez, but uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, Hibbing gave. I was uh, equally. I was equally surprised with Hibbing and Herman. Yeah. Yeah. So it was nice to see new fresh blood, but uh, Hibbing wasn't able to hold off the powerful Hawks. 
So, uh, Brad, uh, we had a city council meeting last night uh, in City yeah. Hall, and you missed it. A lot of did excitement. Did you get anything? Did you th- get anything excited, uh, exciting done, or well, talked I was about, or are they going to fill any potholes? Or no, they're not filling potholes. And I got to tell you, I, oh. th- this this spring. Well, it's not spring yet, but this, you know, late winter. I can't believe the condition of the roads. They're some of the worst I've ever seen. But last night, missing missing in action uh, were uh, Councillors Forsman, Mayu, and Allstead. They were not at the meeting, so the meeting, uh, all the uh, votes went down 6-0-3. And one of the big ones, Brad, was the uh, resolution on this uh, new library. Uh, They're going to basically reconfigure the library and turn it into a more community-based service center. I think you're still going to be able to get books there. I'm not sure. But uh, they're going to put a lot of money into this. And the library, it sounds like, is going to get uh, renovated. They're already going to spend uh, $45,000 just to do the studies. I think that's what it was, forty five k. And, uh, yeah. So, but Brad, prior so, to... So mm-hmm. what, what, is it, what is it going to be used for? Is it going to be a training center for environmental uh, goofballs? Or what, what are they going to do there? Ooh, that's kind of cool. Uh, what they're well, gonna, it, so, it sounds like what they're going to do is they're going to move the uh, workforce center in with the library and just kind of have that combined. And I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but it sounds like it, it's, it sounds kind of harmless. Uh, but this is uh, 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 what are they going to uh, a community informed uh, pre design for conversion of the downtown library to a multi purpose regional community service center. Oh boy. You know, the library was built in 1980, and a lot of us remember that. And uh, I don't think there's oh, yeah. anybody on the city council uh, outside of Janet Kennedy that are aware of that. I know Councillor Tominick was surprised to hear that the downtown library is already 40 years old. Oh, my goodness. Brad, the Carnegie <laughs> Library that uh, is still standing, that building is still standing, yep. uh, that was in operation for, I believe, 72 years 70 roughly years. Um, and if I recall, Central High School, they used to have a lot of classes. Well, I know they did because I went to Washington. We used to walk down to the library. Sure. And it was sure. close to a lot of uh, schools in the area there, in particular Washington and Central. But I wanted to get back to what started, what happened prior to the meeting yesterday. You had the time for citizens to be heard. Okay. And they've opened up this online deal now where you can just jump or online can, yeah. and talk to the city council for three minutes. You can be from Timbuktu. And I think that's a little silly. I think they're going a little too far on this. And anyways, they had some online speakers yesterday, and I don't think they were all from outside of Duluth. One person did mention they were, but they were all talking, the four online, and there were three people in chambers. You ready, Brad? Mm-hmm. They are asking I'm- the city of Duluth to pass a resolution to join in this treaty, this UN treaty on the prohibition of nuclear weapons. Now, there are 92 uh, signatories already a part of this. China's not one of them. Russia's not one of them. The U.S. and India are not, or or Israel are not one of them. And these are the nations that have nuclear weapons. But Duluth might be one of them. Well, Duluth will be the leader in this, Brad, and will cause the world to be rid of nuclear... Now, Brad, you know that the Greenies have been at this since the 70s. Of course. And if the U.S. disarms itself of nuclear weapons 
but China and Russia doesn't. Are we less vulnerable or more vulnerable? (laughs) (laughs) That's the question, isn't it? Because I don't know what the answer would be on that. Well, Brad, if we disarm, if we reduce all of our nuclear warheads... If we reduce ours, we're going to be more vulnerable. We're toast. No doubt about it. Yeah. We'll be dust. Yeah. In the meantime, Kenny, did you see that our friend, uh, our our favorite uh, environmental person, Greta Thornburg, was back in the news? Well, I think they pronounce it Thunberg. It looks like Thornburg. Is it Thunberg? Yeah, Thunberg, that's how she's Thornburg. pronouncing it. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that's... The teenager with a lot of... Uh, oh, no. Pistols. She turned 20. She's no longer a Did teenager. She? Oh, yes. Oh, my God. She turned 20. Yeah. She's not anyway, a teenager, she was, uh, but she looks like one. She showed up. Yeah, she showed up at a... Uh, at a meeting to protect reindeer in Norway. Oh, good. I'm glad mm-hmm. to hear that. Oh, good. Yeah. Got to have something to protect, uh, Greta. Well, what's what's up. the threat? What is what is the well, urgency? Well, ev- evidently, um, you know, this this I found rather humorous, Kenny, because they want to build, uh, they want to build a um, uh, a wind farm with these uh, windmills, you know, to to produce electricity. Well, you'd think, wouldn't you, that environmentalists are all for that, aren't they? Don't they? Don't they want that kind of stuff? Aren't they all for that? Because that that's much better than burning fossil fuels to make energy. They just the wind just blows it. Well, except that the in Norway, evidently the energy minister in Oslo had decided that they were going to put. Well, they d- did put a wind farm right in an area that evidently hinders the rights of the Sami indigenous people Sami. to raise reindeer. The Sami, reindeer. yeah. Well, Sami. I'm glad you're bringing well, this up, are. Brad, because they're indigenous, and the Sami, they are reindeer herders, and that's a, that, that is very important to them. But if they're reindeer herders, can't they herd those reindeer to somewhere where the windmills aren't? Boy, you're asking a lot here, Brad. <laughs> Well, I'm just, I'm just thinking they don't have to have the reindeer directly under the windmills, do they? Well, we should get a Sami to call in. I don't think the Sami have phones. Oh, I'm not sure, but they dress really colorful, though. They wear a they lot do. of really they colorful do. stuff. They yeah. Do. And uh, so Greta was there with. Uh, she had. She was part of the Young Friends of the Earth Norway. And the Norwegian Sami Associate Youth Council, <laughs> whatever that is, Sami traditionally their bright colored dresses they put up tent uh, used at, by the Arctic people, and uh, but Norway has already ruled and they constructed this wind turbine uh, farm already, but now uh, Greta and her horde is saying that it it violated the rights of the Sami who have been using the land to raise reindeer for centuries. However, the wind farm is still operating. So well, what are they going to do? Are they going to... First of all, this brings up the question. So now you have an environmental safe wind farm that doesn't burn fossil fuels. But now, evidently, it has come to the attention of Greta and her horde that the reindeer used to... They were, they were you know, raised there. They roamed there. So what do we do now? Do we waste all that money on that wind farm and shut it down, move it someplace else? Is that is that what we have gotten to now in this environmental movement? They they besides that, Sami live in Lapland, 
which stretches from the northern parts of Norway through Sweden and Finland to Russia. So they're really not native per se to just Norway, just Sweden, just Finland. They kind of roam all over wherever they want to. So couldn't they take that herd of reindeer and kind of just move it to wherever there isn't a wind farm? I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure about that because uh, <laughs> I'm not uh, I'm not uh, I'm not hip to that dude. Greta was looking uh, looking herself though her typical environmental protest oh. herself. She had was a she given the scowl on. and the angry? Oh look? yeah, she gave it <sighs> gave it a little scowl. She had a bullhorn. <sighs> you know, every good protester's got to <sighs> have a bullhorn so their voice can be heard. You listen to me, I'm Greta. Yeah, you listen to me. I know what I'm talking about. You <sighs> get that wind farm out of there. Uh, but wind, <laughs> but Greta, wind farm is environmentally safe. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't burn fossil fuel. I don't care. Arr. Those reindeer were there first. Arr. Greta. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Say, uh, were you kind of happy yesterday or uh, or pleasantly surprised? Well, let's talk about that after this break. Uh, we got to keep an eye on this clock here, What, talk about pleasantly surprised? <laughs> well, I just wanted to ask you before the break so you can think about it. Our budget here in Minnesota continues to grow. The surplus? Are you happy about that? Yeah, surplus. No, because well, I know that... talk about it after. Okay. KDAL time is 1158, 33 degrees at the Army Corps of Engineers, southwest wind at 8. Well, Kenny, we only have a minute or two before we have to take our break here. So I I just want to lay this out so we can talk about it in hour number two. Our budget, the surplus thing that they looked at yesterday, it it appears that our surplus is going to remain largely unchained unchanged at about $17.5 billion. Uh, but included in that is $599 million jump in estimated tax collections. Now, I find it unconscionable that, that uh, a state that has $17.5 billion in surplus continues to overtax its citizens to the amount of uh, a half a billion dollars. I just find that unbelievable and mean-spirited. And for this governor to say he doesn't want to give everybody that paid into Social Security a, a break, just the just the poor. So is he saying that the wealthy never worked during their lives? Yeah, that, that, yeah that's a pretty condescending, awful thing to say. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've earned this and just stop taxing it. Legalize marijuana and make up the tax uh, difference, right? <laughs> uh, let's be cautious. Anyway, uh, when we come back, let's talk about what we're going to do.